Coleman and his bodyguard were found dead this morning. How lovely. You killed them? And I'd do it again. Why? This son of a bitch didn't deserve to live. Because he tried to take your fighter? No. I would never kill him for that. That's part of the business. He was blackmailing Iris with her brother's life. And you were right. That whole thing with Belcher at the bar was a setup. That's no reason to kill him, even if it is the truth. Have I ever lied to you before, McLeod? You lie to everyone all the time. It's like breathing to you. About small stuff, not about something like this, and especially to you. But you don't believe me, go ask Iris. Don't tell her I killed them. I don't think she'd understand. And I'm supposed to? What am I supposed to do? You could have gone to the police. You could have come to me. We could have solved this. The guy was stunned! Welcome to Highlander Rewatched, where each and every week we cover a new episode in the Highlander world. This week we're talking about The Fighter. That's right. I'm one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Welcome. Yes, as Eamon said, this week we are talking about Season 2, Episode 11, The Fighter. This episode was originally aired on Monday, January 31st, 1994. So if you remember, for all of those uh, who keep uh, religious track of the episode airing (laughs) dates, uh, this episode actually airs two months after the last episode we covered. So this is kind of like a mid-season break for them. All my tracking is religious, especially package tracking. (laughs) Although a lot of shows end up doing this sort of thing, like this is the last episode was aired around Thanksgiving, hmm. so a lot of shows take off between the holiday season is off for shows because no one's watching TV because they're busy stuffing their faces with turkey. Dryptophan. <laughs> this episode was directed by Peter Ellis. He has done one other episode previously, which was Studies in Light, which was the what second episode of the season, I think. Yes, with Gregor Clegane. That's right. Launchpad McBlain. McCl- <laughs> yeah, Launchpad McBlain. Uh, he also did some episodes of Silk Stockings, Hercules, some other episodic TV. The Mountain mm. That Sulks. <laughs> 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 this episode was written by Maury Ravinsky. This is uh, the first of nine episodes he did. Um, he's got some pretty good ones coming up. So mm. Mm. Also wrote for Forever Night. So many Forever Night yeah. connections with the show forever night i wanna be forever <laughs> night <laughs> uh this episode guest stars callie timmons as iris she did lots of tv she did the robocop tv show oh Frasier. yeah Pretty good i have i have it written down in my notes eamon's favorite show Frasier. <laughs> calling again <laughs> also what, what do i do with all these tossed salads and Scrambled eggs, though. I just don't know. Shit. (laughs) We're stuck. Mac knew what to do. He did. She was also on an episode of Rin Tin Tin Canine Cop. And, you know, is it a secret how that dog solves mysteries? (laughs) No, it's no secret how that dog (laughs) solves crimes. He actually needs to, like, keep that shit patented because other crime-fighting dogs are going to ape his scheme. Like Lassie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking lassie. <laughs> Trying to steal my crime fighting game. That's yeah, right. Timmy's in the well. I get it. <laughs> she was also on Tech War, William Shatner. Oh, right. Shit. <laughs> William uh, Shatner. This, <laughs> this episode also stars Tom McBeath as Coleman. He has a ton of IMDb credits. Uh, and he also shows up in a later episode of Highlander. I remember him. He was uh, Colonel Harry Mayborn in SG-1. Do you remember this, Kyle? I do, vividly. Yes. He, like, starts off as kind of a villain or, like, an antagonist. Yeah, he's, like, the big naysayer. Like, he he doesn't like the program, blah, blah, blah. He's, He's part of a secret group that's trying to undermine things he ends up at some point he defects and becomes the king of a village yeah wow weird stuff but also when i was looking at his imdb credits i came across something called nightman yes that's Fight- based off of malibu comic is from it the 90s so this yeah. is is he the fighter of the day man uh, yeah yes a, di- a, different, <laughs> a different a different nightman sadly but a couple weeks ago we were talking about like i think Eamon and i were talking on revenge of the sword about mm-hmm. like these sort of saturday afternoon shows that like, yeah. we would watch it's like i remember my mom would watch like baywatch mm-hmm. and this was kind of like wrapped up in that there was the tropic thunder nope nope thunder <laughs> thunder in paradise. in paradise i keep calling it the Hulk hogan show uh so they were all and oh, hills ninja and uh what was the other one? Oh, earth final conflict yes which was got brought up in another episode mm-hmm. as well uh this was definitely part of that block of yeah. programming and i remember this vividly and this week we will put the opening credits to this show on our facebook page it is 
the best. Uh, so <laughs> it's like the the theme song. It's a superhero show. The, the theme song is like smooth jazz. Ooh. Off to a great start already, right? Well, I believe Nightman was a musician. He was. Uh, and he also drove. Uh, this was like, I think, the same year. Do you remember those uh, the Viper car? It was like a purple dragster looking thing. Mm, it was wow. a weird, like, it was a crazy car that became, like, pretty popular. Again, it, it is featured, this is, like, his superhero car. I hadn't seen Nightman in forever, so I just looked it up on IMDb. And this is the IMDb description <laughs> of the show Nightman, which you should all check out. And I did not realize, I mean, that it was based on a comic, though. Yeah, Malibu Comics is short-lived. Men in Black was a Malibu comic. Oh, okay. Here's the description. After lightning strikes saxophonist Johnny Domino, <laughs> yes. he finds he is telepathically tuned to the frequency of evil. This gives him an edge for fighting the bad guys, and some special classified wearable gear gives him an edge for fighting them as well. What? That's it. Wow. And his costume is crazy. I don't oh man, a human tuning fork. It's <laughs> oh man, it like it looks like it's a bunch of just like plastic pieces from like a, yep. a football uniform. Bad. And he's got like an eye, not an eye patch. Like he's, he's got like, like a, a scope. red light eye. Yeah, yeah. it's weird. Like, like Deadshot. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, but the theme song, like it's ridiculous. So we'll post that on our Facebook page. This episode also stars Bruce Whites as Sully. Uh, he was in two hundred and fifty-five episodes. Of General Hospital. And he was wow. also Bruno Mannheim in the Superman animated series. Yeah. That's great. That's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, good stuff. Watch that show. He's on some good episodes. He was the leader of Intergang and later right. a cohort of Darkseid. Darkseid. Mm-hmm. Mm. Played Dasad. No, he's like a gangster that Darkseid like employs in his little plots on mm. Earth before they reveal. Does he get him like weapons and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Like all those freaky weapons. Like right. The big gloves that have big hands that pop out and yeah. beat up superman awesome. <laughs> the human hulk hands yeah <laughs> basically yeah and then it's a very small part uh nicholas lee is rodney and he's Crycheck from the x-files as soon as he was on the screen i was like Crycheck! i was very excited about oh that. shoot yeah wow but it's a very small part so yeah. this is a lovely imdb episode description for this one duncan's old friend tommy sullivan wants duncan to buy a piece of his fighter george and help him win pretty iris that's it that's it wow what suddenly very brief Uh, in case you guys missed it i'll read it again duncan's (laughs) old friend tommy sullivan wants duncan to buy a piece of his fighter george and help him win pretty iris so no conflict in this episode he just wants to invest in a boxer and get a and get a pretty girlfriend this entire episode is just about investing yeah Start with boxers, then they get to stock tips. Charlie's like, no, man, you got to just be heavily invested in indexes. (laughs) (laughs) And invest in your heart. So we open up in the ring. On a black and white boxing match. Yeah. But this isn't a flashback, so why is it in black and white? Is it a flashback? No. Even at the end, I was legitimately unsure. The thing that's that's weird about it is... Well, it's just generic boxing stock footage, right? Right, but there's an actual boxing match going on... In the episode. In the episode, like right yeah. then. Like, yeah. but it's like I guess they didn't have time or money to film the ep- the boxing. Yeah. So they're just like, well, let's just have a different boxing match play on the TV. Mm-hmm. And you can watch that. Like an old timey looking one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have no idea what that's all about. Why <laughs> is, is that it like happen? a raging bull takeoff? Because that was in black and white. I don't know. Did you fuck my wife? Jesus <laughs> <laughs> Christ. Sorry. <laughs> we hear the buzz, and Sully, who is the trainer of this boxer. Is I guess walking out of the arena. He's walking out of the arena with like Mike Thunder or something like that. He just looks like Dolph Lundgren. Oh yeah, yeah. this dude is huge. He's enormous and uh, like chiseled jaw, blonde, spiky hair. Like, yeah, this guy's right out of like a comic book. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm a tough guy. Or he might be Paul Phoenix from Tekken, <laughs> the guy yeah. with like the six foot <laughs> oh, tall God. high top. That is a good pull. Yeah, I haven't so, thought about Tekken in maybe five years. The king of Iron Fist tournament enter the Tekken. <laughs> that's actually just uh, what goes on for the rest of this episode did anyone see the tekken movie wasn't there a movie it, it looked oh horrible my yeah, God. No shit, it i horrible. did not see it but <laughs> there's also an awful 45 minute tekken animated movie from japan which is one of the worst things ever <laughs> How's the ogre in it? Is the ogre good? Or the fighting bear? I assume the, the fighting kangaroo, bear. Oh, the kangaroo's right. in it. Oh, yeah, good. Yep. What about Gon, the little dinosaur? No, unfortunately, Gon is amazing. He's kind of the best. He's a comic book character. Anyway. So, Tekken Rewatch. Yeah. Matt, Mac, Eddie Gordo. <laughs> <laughs> Mac joins uh, what turns out to be his friend, Sully. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I guess he's there watching the fight. Him and Charlie, I guess, came to the fight, right? Yeah. He and yeah. Charlie were at the ring 
Yeah, so at the ring. <laughs> Ringside seats. That's right. Uh, so they go into the locker room, and George, the fighter. Oh, sorry. I say his name was Mike earlier. It's Georgie. <laughs> yeah. It's Georgie. I don't know why I said that. So uh, George is approached by these two goons. One is named Coleman, and what's mm-hmm. the guy's name? I don't Sully. Know. Nope. No, That's he's the, Sully. Uh, it's Coleman and some other guy. Doesn't matter. Nope. I just call him the goon for the rest of the episode. Yeah. Uh, so I guess these guys have been really like pestering Sully and George, and they're trying to take over and be his manager because mm-hmm. they've got some dough so these are like mobsters or something right? right this is interrupted because then the fighter from the ring comes out and it's like how would you pay him to stop the fight and yeah like a massive brawl erupts right and i don't know what happened but it does not look like the two mobsters who i've named bulk and skull <laughs> just bulk and skull that is who they're for doing throughout my notes are just clearly not on set anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they must have been dismissed, because then it just keeps cutting to their reaction shots. They're, like, them, like standing like, aside. Go, yeah. Like, pointing and going, hee-hee-hee. Yeah. <laughs> also, <laughs> we need to talk about something Coleman says before we get yeah. too far away. He the, says, oh, he's white, and he can punch like hell. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, one of these weird, like, great, great white hope things that yeah. I didn't think were still a part of boxing yeah. at that yeah. point, but maybe they are. Mm. Yeah. Maybe boxing is more racist than I thought. Maybe. <laughs> you never know. I'm not. I'm not that hip on boxing. Mac helps break up the fight. So does Charlie. And so we're back in the locker room. These guys are trying to get George to switch over. I guess Mac tells him to like leave leave him alone. And I love the way this like all goes down. Coleman is like, yeah, you should like join up with us or whatever. And Mac is just like, he said he's not interested. And then like 30 seconds of silence, and he's like. Who are you? And then <laughs> yeah. more silence. One. And it's just like, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, Duncan isn't threatening or anything. But, like, then Coleman is, like, scared. He's, like, backs off. He's like, all right, man. Well, Matt like, gives him a look. That's that look. That Mac, Mac look. look. Yeah. Mac eyes. The Mac Behind eyes. Behind Mac eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, Charlie leaves at this point because he has a date with Helen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They mention this woman's name a lot during this episode for no reason because she's not a character. I thought that was we weird. We barely see Helen. So I guess that's maybe why they have to say her name all the time. Why can't you like, say I'm going on a date? Yep. <laughs> if, well, if they said that, we'd be making fun of that so much. We'd be like, ah, oh, this vague plans Charlie has. I have a date. <laughs> He's like, I'm going no, on a date. I wouldn't tease that. Oh, yeah? With Helen. I'm like, yeah. oh, I guess this Helen's going to be a character. <laughs> if, some, if somebody left saying they had a date, See ya. That's fine. Like, I mean, sure. maybe you'd ask them for more details, but if you didn't, like, that's a perfectly normal way to introduce the concept that you have to leave. Right. Yeah. You don't have to go like, oh, I met her on OkCupid, and her favorite thing is waterfalls because she's a weirdo. <laughs> like, she won't stop. That's chasing not going to be the conversation. Yeah. So, in any case, Sully is trying to convince Mac to, I think, for thirty G's, get ten percent of right Mike's take. So they decide to go no, out Mike. and. S- George, George. Mike. <laughs> Magic Mike? So they all go out to a bar, and I guess Coleman, it turns out Coleman owns this bar. Right. This is just a weird bit of writing, I thought. So Coleman goes into the bar first, and he yells to somebody in the bar. He's like, hey, uh, Georgie, he's like, oh, you're ugly as ever. Like, he's like playfully jabbing at somebody. Yeah. This is not George from the, like, the boxer yeah, George. It's like, somebody else. They've put another George character into this scene the re- off screen, and it's like, why are you calling attention? Like, why is his name George? Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the way they reuse name, because the episode we just did was called Epitaph for Tommy. Uh-huh. The Max buddy in this is Tommy Sullivan. Yep. <laughs> so it's like the name's just like, it's like they have six names and pick them out of <laughs> yeah. a hat every time. <laughs> a dartboard. Yeah. Like, it is... wouldn't have surprised me if his name was Georgie Honiger. <laughs> <laughs> Who is another character from West episode for our listeners at home. Georgie McLeod. <laughs> so at this point, we're introduced to Rodney. And this is Krychek from the X-Files. And he's like a real bar bum. Yeah. Uh, like, he's all disheveled. He looks like shit. Um, and I guess he's trying to get a drink, but he has no money to pay for it. And he can get food on a tab, which is his sister, Iris, who is a waitress at this bar. Mm-hmm. The bar called The Dugout. The Dugout, right. Which, as soon as I read that, I was like, this seems like a baseball-themed strip club. So... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that Aitman will be opening soon. Ooh. <laughs> so Iris then comes up and wants to talk to Sully. And we quickly reveal why they are here. Yeah, yeah so the reason that Sully likes to come to this bar, even though it's o- owned by the douchebag Coleman, is because... Polk. 
Huh? Bulk. Bulk. <laughs> is because he is in love with Iris. And the, yeah. the introduction to him being in love with her is awesome. Like, oh, God. It's in slow motion. They play, like, really gushy love yeah. music. There's, like, Vaseline all over the lens. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's like, I'm a guy's guy. I'm good with guys. He yeah. loves... So he's all about the guys. Yeah, but yeah. He, he cannot talk to Iris. Like, nope. he stammers all over himself. There's a really funny scene... I guess uh, Iris is impressed that he broke up this fight. He's like, oh, I heard Georgie was attacked. Like, and you you took on like 12 guys all by yourself. And Duncan goes to interrupt. And he's like, oh, well, it wasn't really. And he gets like a nut kick. Yeah. <laughs> like, Sully, like, shut up, man. I'm trying to impress the, the ladies. I don't know. It's pretty funny. Like, pawing does, at him and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And she does seem kind of into him, despite him being like twice her. Twice he is, her he age. is an older yeah. gentleman. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, also, he's immortal. So he's, you know, 10 times her age. Yeah. <laughs> but that being said, his physical appearance is more than twice her age yeah he's not like mac he's not like a 32 year old dude yeah Yeah, like he lost the immortal lottery like he is definitely not in his prime when he has his first first death which is super crappy i suppose because like this girl should just not want to date him like he he could be her father yeah i'm not about to tell anybody who who they can't date who or who (laughs) is that what i just said (laughs) yep i mean i'll tell them who to date but not who to date Cindy Lou? <laughs> oh, God, guys. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's very hot in the studio today. We are sweating. We are taking off all our clothes in, <laughs> in accordance with the Sean Paul song. <laughs> At this point, we get an amazing flashback to, like, the 1890s. I wasn't exactly sure where they were ever. The Watcher Chronicles say this is San Francisco. Ooh. We are in San Francisco, the 1890s. And Sully busts into Mac's hotel room, and I guess he wants him to invest in, like, a fight? Or he, he, he wants, wants him to him be to a fighter. Be, yeah, be in a fight. Right. So, so some big deal boxer has a deal going. If you last three rounds, you get a 1000 bucks, And he right. wants Mac to be that guy. And so $1,000, I looked up the uh, inflation rate of that. That's $26,000. Yeah, it's Ooh, a lot boy. of money. Yeah. So what happens next is amazing. We get some, this is, like, so cartoonish, it's fantastic. They got this guy to pay $1,000 to any man who can go three rounds with him. Good luck, Sully. Pound for pound, you're one of the best bare-knuckle fighters around. Oh, that's the problem. Not enough pounds. They say I'm too small to fight a heavyweight. So, you got to do it for me. No! Oh, I'll... Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> stammering. <laughs> so Duncan was getting a beejer. Like under, I don't, I don't know if that's necessary. Too. She was just under the covers hiding, <laughs> doing what? Hiding? They're playing what a prank like on a Sully. Probably. No, but Sully. No, 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 no. Let's break this down. Sully. <laughs> Sully busts in. Yeah. Like he does not knock. In the context of the scene, there is a visual <laughs> obstruction between the door and where Mac is. There's like so you a think covering. when he busts in, she hides, hides. Under, the co- under the covers. And then when she fears that Mac is going to get the crap kicked out of him by a large ponytail man that we find out is going to happen later, she's like, no, don't do it. I think she's sucking his dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> But when Sully sees her pop out from under the covers, he's like, ghost. He's like, he's like Shaggy from Scooby Doo. And he hides behind a, like, what are those things called? The curtain? They're like a little partition the, thing. Yeah. Uh, so Sully goes and hides behind, like, this partition. And then Mac and this girl just start making out more. Like, they just make out in front of him. And it's like, you can stay or you can go. Like, they're they're getting down to business, whether Sully, Sully wants to watch yeah, or not. Sully, like, runs out of there. <laughs> hey, Rewatchers. Thanks for joining us this week on Highlander Rewatch. Make sure to follow us along on Facebook and definitely subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. And guess what? If you're an Android user, you can always subscribe on Stitcher. And guess what? We're on Google Play now. So check us out on Google Play. Any way you want to get us, we're there. Oh, yeah. So back in the present, Sully thinks this girl, Iris, it's like, this is the one. And so at this point, I'm like, this is like Hitch. Like, I am so on board this episode. I'm like, this is so much fun. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. (laughs) Nice fake so, laughing. So he's, <laughs> but he's like, you gotta give me give me hints. Like, how can I be with this girl? And Vito is just like, I don't know, be younger and more handsome and be able to put, <laughs> be able to put a sentence together. I don't know. 
this like, is a- <laughs> like just like it's no secret how Rin Tin Tin canine cop fights crime. <laughs> like it's no secret why this girl is not interested in him. Right. It's because he hasn't completed a full sentence in her presence. Nope. <laughs> Cyrano de Bergamac. <laughs> Uh, so we get a, another quick flashback to the past, and Duncan eventually accepts this, I guess, challenge to fight the boxer Brock. After Brock, like, hits him in the face. Yeah, like, he From makes fun of him. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the way he, he like, somebody finally reveals who he has to fight, and it's Joe Brock. And the way he responds to Joe Brock, Joe motherfucking Brock, <laughs> is the context of... Or not the context, but is how he says it. Right. So they get in a little street brawl, and then Mac is like, "I'm, I'm down. We're gonna fight now. It's it's personal. This shit's personal now." The costumes and the setting of this flashback is amazing. It's great. Mac's suit that he's wearing during this thing is crazy. He's got like this super high vest on. Yeah, it's wild. This is great. Like this, I think this might be the best flashback yet. Just in terms of like, it looks great. Yeah, I totally buy it. Spoiler it, I think this is the best episode yet. Ooh. I love this episode. I think it's fantastic. Um, you, At you, least this season. Smiling like a small child. I love this episode. <laughs> I'm on board this episode every step of the way. On board. Also, the manager for Joe Brock calls Sully a tough little mick. Yes. <laughs> I am personally offended by that remark. Uh, so back in the present, I guess Coleman is still trying to get George to sign over with. So Mac and Sully go to break this up. It's like, no, he said no. No means no. And George is, speaking of no means no, Georgie is flanked by two women. And is like, hey. Yeah. yeah. And they say something like, whatever my fighter wants, our fighter gets. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah, mm. gross. Uh, so then it takes a dark turn. Like, once Coleman leaves, like, Sully's like, I'm going to kill that SOB. And yeah. it's like, whoa, buddy. Like, like it, it's a close-up on his face. And he's like, I think I'll kill that son of a bitch. And he turns over to the Mac and he's like, ha ha, just kidding. <laughs> Psych. Now we're training in the dojo. In the dojo. Going to the dojo. So Sully's like, you got to help me out with this girl stuff. He's like, teach me poetry and shit. Like, yeah. It's like, you know, that stuff girls like. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Sully's ever like seen a girl. <laughs> yeah. Sully hasn't gone on a date in hundreds of years. Of <laughs> So, can we talk about, so, Charlie walks in. With, with Helen. Helen. Uh, so, I guess he maybe spent the night with Helen. Ooh-hoo. Coming in in the morning. Uh, That's right. So, we get treated. And to- she's in, like, a night, like, she's in a going out dress. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like Charlie's in his dress. standard jeans with a flannel shirt <laughs> yeah. and a varsity jacket. Right. So, Duncan and Sully are like, hubba hubba. And they're just checking her out. And let's play a clip of this music. Yeah. All that I'm is, it's a body so fine at the man's baritone sax. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get a look at that woman? Whoa. Yeah, her name's Helen. Charlie, hey. <laughs> Can we talk about the gloves Mac was wearing? Yes. <laughs> Tell us like about the fingerless man. leather gloves. <laughs> For training, he's got to protect those knucks. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that music. Singing the blues. Sexy woman in a green dress named Helen. Another name drop for no reason. So it comes out that she bought him flowers. Yeah, right. She and Sully's Charlie's like, flowers. Sully's like, how'd you get her to buy her flowers, man? Like, buy you flowers. And, and Charlie gets all bashful and he's like, oh, man. And it's like, I know what you fucking did. Like, going downtown. <laughs> oh, man. Charlie's going to take up Max's role as Cyrano here and try to give Sully some pointers. Can, should we play? I, I love this clip as well. There's so many good clips in this episode. Of them having like this kind of comic little repartee back and forth. Yes, McLeod, she gave me flowers. Really? How did you get her to give you flowers? Oh, come on, man. Charlie, Sully's got this little problem. <laughs> You're just the guy to help him out. What kind of a problem? Well, you saw it for yourself. The guy's a master. There's this girl I know. I like her very much. <laughs> but you want to talk to her. And you want to get next to her. So you can... Enough said. You're the man for the job. Blah, blah, blah. This is, this Sully's got this little problem. <laughs> hmm. But it, it's it's how you use it. That's what they say. That's right. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I love that this is like a little like vaudeville act or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who's on first? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at this point in my notes, I just wrote, hmm. 
Has Richie not been on the show much just because Charlie and Mac have way better chemistry? There's there, He is really not on the show that much, and there's a I forget the reason for it. I don't remember if they wanted to train him. That might have been it. I don't know. Somebody out there who maybe knows the story, write us in and let us know what the reason was Richie is not in season two that much. Yeah, it's weird, but like all the bro down hoedown stuff is all with Charlie now. And yeah. they, I mean, the two of them play off each other really well. Yeah. And I mean, Charlie does a great job. I, I don't know. I really like him. Yeah. It's just an odd move. Like the show makes Richie immortal and like there's momentum behind that, like to take the show in a good direction. Yeah. And, and then they just, and they just don't do it. It's like, oh, whatever. I'll just let that kind of lie. It's like, all right. Well, the other weird thing is Charlie doesn't know Max immortal. So he doesn't have that weird sounding board that he did with Richie and Tess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's literally just his buddy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we get a flashback back to the 1890s, and it's boxing time. This is the match. Yeah, they're bare-knuckle boxing. I love the way all of this is shot. Again, yeah. great setting, great costumes, mm-hmm. tons of extras. Yep. Good stuff. It comes like, straight into Mac getting headbutted, yeah. basically. And it's like a full-on box. I mean, like we spend some time on this boxing match. It's yeah. long. Yeah, it is so. very long. Yeah. And it's like the super cheesy like old-school boxing. Like, eh, put up your dukes. Put up. You dukes. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess the bet is that Duncan doesn't have to win. He just has to last go the distance. Three rounds. Three rounds. Whatever, right. Yeah. Duncan lasts the whole time. The bell rings. Uh, mm-hmm. But as the bell rings, the, uh, cops, the, show the cops show up and yeah. they break up this illegal boxing match. Uh, so everybody's running everywhere. People start fighting each other. Like yeah. It just gets set, crazy. Set Mac, he decides to finish finish him. Well, I think just Brock mess with him some Brock more. Brock messes with him more. Yeah. He, like, Gives him a coup de gras. Right. And then Duncan's like, enough of this. A <laughs> yeah. de Gracie. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, so Mac ends up actually knocking Brock out. Yeah. So, woohoo. Yo, yo. I had so much fun on the last episode. Macho Man Randy Savage is back to talk about sweet items in the Highlander official catalog. Wander through the ages in the official Highlander coat. For the Highlander fan, this is the ultimate prize. Expertly constructed full-length coat is totally eye-catching and will be the last and will last an eternity. <laughs> Ruggedly built of double yarn oilskin fabric to be fully stormproof and weather tight, complete with twill lining. This coat is perfect for concealing your quote-unquote sword. During those late night escapades. What? Does it say that? It does. <laughs> this is implying that you should be wearing this coat with no clothes on. <laughs> Are you an exhibitionist in the Highlander universe? <laughs> oh, Other? yeah. This coat only costs $225. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow, Macho Man, that's a really nice coat. You're right, it is. <laughs> So Charlie and Sully are going through these like dating scenarios, and Sully can't memorize it. Right, some... and like, but the scenario is just like, would you like to see a menu? And Sully's like, you order menus at restaurants. Like they're doing some light role playing. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna transition to some heavy larping after this. Charlie's just gonna yell lightning bolt and peg him with a tennis ball. And at one point, Charlie says to Sully, "Just talk to her like she's one of the guys." And Sully's like, gross, man. That's disgusting. It's like, no, it's, let's be cool, Sully. What's yeah. Sully talking about with the guys? I don't... Uh, um, <laughs> also, this has been going on for four hours. Yes. Yeah, as we come to find out. Yeah, once they're back at the dojo. They arrive back, and I guess Mac is concerned that... Sully's taking too much time getting his groove back to right. train... Sully gets his groove back. <laughs> Sully's groove. So it feels like Georgie's going to, you know, slip through his fingers if he doesn't pay a little bit more attention. Because also he was supposed to meet Georgie and he didn't. He, you know, blew him off. Yeah, he blew him off and Georgie ended up having to leave. Yeah. So in the next scene, we're going to play a little game here, guys. All right? And the game, we we can all play along with us out there in podcast land. What are Charlie and Mac doing right now? Charlie. Ah. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Oh, man. Oh, man. Come on, let's run it off. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Anybody? Nobody guess what they, they don't know what they're doing? I mean, we just watched the quip. They're jogging. But. Oh, okay. <laughs> good, good gravy. <laughs> uh, come. It'll come. <laughs> Jesus. I love these clips. <laughs> So they're they're going for a, a little jog, and this entire scene, this entire like five minutes, is not yeah. in the uh, American version. So they get to talking about how like who their heroes were and who they wanted to be like growing up. Charlie's hero is Cassius Clay, the recently departed Muhammad Ali. We're actually recording this the day of his death. Yes, we are. So R.I.P. Charlie DeSalvo feels it more keenly than most. And Max was Connor McLeod. Yeah, I like this exchange they have. It's pretty uh, cool. Charlie's like, oh, who's that? He was like, well, he's like a distant relative, I guess. And he's like, he was a great warrior. And Charlie's like, oh, like a, in the service? He's like, yeah. kind of. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. I, I like the, the reference to, to Connor. Bringing that stuff up is great. Same clan, different vintage. <laughs> so they're heading back to the bar to meet up with Sully. Or Charlie's got to go there. Go yeah. to dugouts. This is their this is their first chance to like take this stuff into the real world. Right, right. So they've been workshopping it. Yeah, yeah. So they even practice a little bit when they get there. It's like remember what you're gonna say. And and Sully's like, I'm gonna be like, it's a pleasure to see you. I'd love to see a menu, right? <laughs> and then the whole thing gets blown up because Iris comes over and she's like, Oh Sully, nice to see you. Do you want to see a menu? And then he's like, Oh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> and he's like, Hey, what he comes up with, you probably want to get us anything. <laughs> uh she goes to get them, I guess, menus or whatever, and she is approached by one of the goons and he like whispers something in her ear and she goes upstairs. Mm-hmm. And they get a new waitress who's like, Oh, uh, Iris got sick. Uh she's not gonna be your waitress anymore. It's like, what is this? Yeah. Though on her way up, she encounters the brother, and she's like, he's like, you're doing this for me. And I was like, oh, this is unseemly, mm-hmm. whatever's about to happen. Yep, and Georgie's up there. Yeah, so Sully's like, what's going on with Iris? I'm going to go check it out. So he goes upstairs, and he sees Iris making out with George. Smooching with Georgie. Yeah. You were here last night, too, wasn't you? <laughs> and you were smooching with my brother. <laughs> You've been smooching with everybody. <laughs> Cheeks, bony bab, <laughs> Cliff. I could go on forever, baby. No, I, no one. No, okay. I'm, I'm fully on board yeah, with this. Filthy animal. Yeah. <laughs> I would see that movie. Oh yeah. Like yeah. if they made the fake. Is that like basically a fake James Cagney movie? Is that what yeah. that's supposed to be? Yeah. <laughs> All on board. Home Alone rewatch. <laughs> yeah. Home Alone Lander. Home Alone. What did we say? Home Lander. Home Lander. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't no. sound good. <laughs> that doesn't that enough. Homolander? Yikes. <laughs> Zeist. Uh, so Sully, like, flips his lid. Yeah. Uh, he he goes ape shit on <laughs> he Georgie. He throws him down guy. the steps. Like, And I guess we should preface this with, I guess there's a little scene where we see Coleman, yeah. the asshole, like, tell... Uh, Iris that like she's got to do this. Look, you be nice. Yeah. It's really it's gross, creepy. Yeah. yeah, fuck Coleman. Yep. So Sully throws George like down the stairs. Like this is really rough. Yeah. Uh, there's it's a huge brawl. Yeah. And then I guess they both go their separate ways. And you said he went ape shit. He's literally on top of him, not just punching him, literally like flailing. Yeah. Like a gorilla. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's like... actually like. An ape. <laughs> yeah. And Krychek actually, like, threatens Coleman at this point. Like, he yeah. goes over to him. He's like, what you did isn't right. Like, you can't use people like this. And Coleman's just like, what, what are, are you, you going to do? Yeah. And he kind of leaves with his tail between his legs. Yeah. This is this weird, like, B-plot with this yeah. Krychek character that is there, but, ne- like, we don't know any... I don't know. It's, like, it's he un- ends up It's really just- underdeveloped. I'm guessing they, there's like an earlier draft of this where it was more important because it yeah. o- ultimately only ends up being there as a way to give them leverage over Iris. Right. Yeah, because this scene sticks out like a sore thumb. It's like, this scene should not be in this episode. <laughs> Bring Rodney a drink. I think he needs a shot of courage. <laughs> <laughs> Says Bulk Endor Skull. So Coleman leaves the bar and he goes to enter his car. And his bodyguard, this goon guy that we've just been referring to as the uh, Skull. Skull. Is, he's Skull or yeah. Bulk? He's Skull. He's Skull. Okay, good. Uh, he is dead in the driver's seat. And then... Because Sully got Scully. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> and then it just cuts. Uh, yeah. And we're at... Dolph Lundgren's house. Yeah. Yep. With Mac and Sully, they're going to kind of clear the air. Yeah, so they go in to apologize. They're They're reluctant to kind of make amends at first but like i have a note here that this just sounds like an abusive spouse it's like i lost my temper the one time it'll never happen again like yeah. i promise like i j- yeah. and duncan's like he just had too much to drink yeah he had too much to drink it's okay he loves you he just had too much to drink 
Baby, I love you more than you know. I only hit you because I love you. Why is Mac enabling this? Mac knows that it was a setup somehow. I'm not 100% clear on how he knows this, but he does. Right. I don't know that he has a reasonable basis for thinking that. At this that. point, no. We do find out later. I guess Iris maybe tells George it was a setup. Like, yeah. I was told yeah. to kiss you. And then George is like, I would never have done that if I knew, you know, right. you had a thing for her or whatever. So, so they uh, hug it out. Sully and Paul Phoenix get in there. Yeah. <laughs> they hug it out. Be... You could also be Guile. Why not? Yeah. There's so many people he could be. <laughs> but Mac Sorry. is immediately suspicious when he hears that Bulk and Skull are dead. He's immediately thinking that Sully had something to do with it. Right. I don't know. I thought this was going to be a misdirect, and it was actually Rodney, because Rodney had kind of threatened him. Yeah. Uh, that's I thought that's too. where it was going to go. No. That does make sense. That would be maybe a good not. twist to this, actually. It would yeah. be a good twist. Like, maybe he confronts Sully about it and is wrong, and mm, things like go that. from there. But no. He confronts Sully about it, and Sully just spills the beans. Right. Well, right. We, we find out well, through oh, first flashback, there's a flashback. Yeah. yeah that... After the bare knuckle brawl, the guy who Sully had to bet with Wilson, yeah, refused to pay him. He said, "No, you didn't hear the ring of the you know the fight officiator. You heard the bell on the police wagon or whatever." Right, right. And Sully what? seems drunk also at this. Point. Yeah, yeah. And Wilson winds up dead. And so he gives Mac his, his share bo- of the his money. His body is into the river. Right. Yeah. So Mac, yeah. yeah, he gives Mac the money and like a bottle of whiskey. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, we should celebrate." And Mac's like, "Wow, like weird that he's dead now." Sully's just like, "Oh, g- good thing for me. Pays his debts." It's like, "Uh oh." Yeah. And then he like gleefully drinks. Yeah. To this right. dead asshole. <laughs> so then Mac and Sully kind of have a pretty pretty serious confrontation about this, where, as Kyle said, Sully confesses to murdering right away. And two he's people. Like, he he doesn't feel any remorse about this because he's like these people were terrible, terrible assholes. But so. he says he murdered them because of the blackmail with Iris, not because of a personal vendetta. So Mac, they get in this huge fight. Mac seems really hurt by this whole thing. His trust has been completely betrayed by sully a couple of murders will do that yeah yeah so he mac goes to dugouts to kind of investigate and he asks iris like what the deal was and she's like yeah like i'm glad he's dead everyone in this bar is glad coleman is dead the guy who killed him should get a medal yeah so everyone is very pleased that this is all kind of gone down the way it has back at the dojo charlie i guess has gotten some sort of certified letter mm-hmm. for mac the letter says that George is switching managers, and he's going to go with Coleman? No, I think he's just changing just managers. Just with someone else? Yeah, yeah I guess yet, it's not a, Coleman. Yet another... Yet another third party that we've never seen. Yeah, which is an odd twist to have happen. Right. I guess this clues Mac off that, like, uh-oh, maybe George isn't safe. Because uh, also, I guess in an earlier clip, Sully talked about loyalty. That's mm-hmm. something that gets brought up a number of times in this episode. It's like, loyalty is like, he's like, you show me a man that's loyal, I'll show you a king. Loyalty seems to be everything to Sully. This bit strikes me as added. Back in the apartment here? Yeah, so... So what happens next, Kyle? So Mac goes to the apartment and lo he meets a dead georgie shortly like immediately after learning that he switched managers my feeling from this was because spoiler alert he's about to have like a a final confrontation with sully i think they were uncomfortable with the moral ambiguity of him fighting sully over the dead Vulcan skull so they needed sully to do something objectively terrible to justify the conflict because this comes out of left field for me. Yeah. The last time we saw these two characters together, they were hugging it out. And this time he's dead. And, and the way that he would find out was through like a certified letter. Like you'd think Georgie would just sit down with Sully and be like, look, I'm sorry. It's time. Yeah. Well, the letter might just be how Mac found out. But, you know, Georgie might have met oh. with Sully and been like, hey, listen. I'm going with somebody else. And then you're, that a, is ba- true. you're a bad manager. Yeah, no, that yeah. is true because uh, Mac only owns 10%. Because right. the letter is like, oh, they bought my 10% or whatever. Right. Also, how'd they buy it? Wouldn't he have to sell it? Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, I think I the letter was offering to buy his 10%. I don't, I don't think remember. they said I thought it he said bought it. Bought it. it. Yeah. It doesn't. That's, nah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, so George, is, George is done with Sully. My guess is they had a, a draft of this and there was a long fight about it because it just feels unnatural. Yeah, that's a good point. Interesting. Because also at this, then Sully just is a villain, right? Right. Like he goes in this whole speech, and like he seems so proud of himself and so just about like what he thinks his enterprise is. Yeah. So so what happens? Let's let's get into this. So Sully meets Iris at the boxing arena, and he like lies to her as well to get her to come there, which is a very strange thing. I guess it's because he doesn't think she likes him. 
Yeah, she thinks... So he's got to say something else, like, why would she want to come and see me? Like, I'm nobody. So he says it's about her brother or whatever. So he's pleading with her to come and leave town. It's so bizarre. It's like, hey, we barely know each other. Come I on. was half ready for him to, like, pull out a ring and be like, marry me. <laughs> but she does reveal that she does have feelings for him. Yeah, she likes him. R- for reasons. So yeah. he <sighs> wants to leave clearly because he has murdered people. <laughs> three. And three yeah. people. And she's like, I can't leave with you. Like, I can't just upend my life. And then Mac shows up. Mac finds out that he's there from Crychek, the brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, let's have a talk. And so let's play this clip where they both kind of expouse their philosophical views on this situation and talk about it. All you've got to do is look the other way. I'm asking you this one thing. No more favors, Sully. We go back a long way, Mac. That's got to count for something. Not anymore. Should have minded your own business. You made it my business when you sold me 10% of Belgium. He betrayed us. He cheated me. Oh, and you kill everybody that cheats you. Of course. Like Brock's manager, is that how you can make the $1,000? I don't get you. What don't you get, Sully? We kill people all the time. It's what we do. You really have no idea that what you do is wrong, no, do you? It's only wrong because you say it is. What we have is a difference of opinion. It's gone way beyond that. So now what? We try to kill each other? It's what we do. And we have to. What do we think of this, guys? I don't know. Would be complicated if he hadn't killed Georgie. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Because that is definitely going, obviously, too far. He's just so obviously wrong. Yes. Like, that was just money. Like, he's not, like, using anybody or, like, playing with people or blackmailing people or committing a crime. And uh, presumably him killing Wilson, the boxing manager in 1890, was also, I would say, wrong because, well, if if the benchmark is it's just money. Yeah. To kill someone over money is not the greatest thing. No. And, like, there's no legal solution. At least there's no legal solution in either one of those two things. Right. Especially in the 1890s, that was illegal boxing anyway and illegal betting. So, yeah. (laughs) But, like, if the situation, the situation here, it's like if you were actually cheated and he just didn't have the right to leave, like, you could have, you so sue me. Like, you could have fucking sued Georgie for breaking whatever deal you had. Right, right. Like, there's a, there are regular remedies for that. Yeah. And he just murders them because his feelings are hurt. Right. And so he's just so utterly wrong on that. I do think it's interesting, though, the question of what does the morality end up meaning when part of your existence is killing other people by design? Yes. So Coleman is not a good guy. And no. Sully even said in that, like, when they had that uh, first confrontation that it wasn't about him stealing George... It was about that he uses people and like, I mean, he's like basically sex trafficking in his fucking bar. Yeah. So I don't Sometimes the show gets into weird, murky territory. And we're going to see this a little in the, the next episode, too, yes. where it's like, hold on. Mac gets to decide like Mac gets to decide what's right and wrong. And Mac is just right. Frequently takes the moral high ground and just decides what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. There's no question we're supposed to be on board with him. The show's never like, but by the way, Mac might be wrong. I think we're always, like, the show is always endorsing what he's doing. But as I was watching this, I'm feeling, like, a little uncomfortable because Sully brings up good points. And, like, if if we take away him killing George, it's like Sully killed two people that... Were like sex traffickers, and granted, I don't, I don't endorse killing anybody <laughs> ever. Uh, but Mac has done similar things. Okay. But like when he decides he's going to basically break Kanan's back, yeah. yeah. But uh, Sully is probably lying about the real reasons why he killed that could be Bulk and Skull. Yeah. Like That's he killed them out of jealousy. He mm-hmm. didn't kill them because they're bad people. That's my reading of it. Interesting. That's probably fair. I mean, that's another. Good and to who knows how many other people Sully has killed that have like wronged him or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like this is a pattern he's established with Mac from hundreds of years ago. Right. That's true. Uh, there's another interesting thing that gets brought up when they talk about like this is what we do as being like some sort of moral like pass on killing. To some extent, I think it is a legitimate slippery slope that at least needs to be addressed. Because it's like, Mac, you are, like, he ostensibly, again, carving out George, he murdered Bulk and Skull for being bad people. Mm-hmm. Mac, you are murdering him for being a bad person. Yeah. Like, right. you're passing a moral judgment on him that you've decided merits death. 
Right. And that's what Sully did to these other guys. But because you're immortals, it's okay? Yeah. Like, Max is, like, saying, like, because we're both immortals, I have the right... I, I'm justified in taking your head now. Yeah. And, and, and for some immortals, as they play the game, like, that's their... Just the way they perceive the game in general. It's like, I'm not good or bad. I just play the game. Like, and it's like, we're supposed to kill each other. No judgments, no sympathy, nothing. Like... We just kill each other. That's what we do. Mac's kind of doing that here. It's like, oh, well, we can just, you know, that's how we do it. Like Mac and Sully don't really seem like they're two guys that are actually playing the game. Like, Mac only, you know, cuts somebody's head off when he's forced. Right. Sully doesn't really seem to be active either. So maybe laws don't apply to immortals in the same way. Like, Mac can't really turn Sully over to the cops, can right. he? I guess he could try. Yeah. I mean, they can charge him just like anybody with these crimes. I mean, like, there's, I would say, evidence for these crimes. Oh, yeah. Like, all, he's got all the motive in the world. Like, right. we don't know much about, like, the physical scene left behind, but boy, does he have an incentive to kill all the deads. Yeah. So this this brings up an interesting <laughs> question that does get brought up in a couple seasons down the road uh, in the episode. I think it's called Mythos? Or is it, is it called Mythos or is it called something else? It's maybe not called Mythos. But they deal with a, like, Mythos imposter uh, Mythos, of course, we haven't met yet, but he is someone that preaches peace, played by Ron Perlman, and his whole thing is like, why do we have to play the game? Just stop. Which is a really, I think, it's a it's a neat episode, I think. And this kind of starts to bring up those questions. It's like, well, why do we have to kill each other just because it's a game? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and why why does Duncan get a moral pass on killing Sully? Mm-hmm. I, that's the part that bugs me. Yeah. Here's a weird thing I just thought of. So let's say Duncan turns Sully over to the cops. Sully is convicted of murder. And is sent to prison. How long do you think he'd get for killing three people if Life. he was convicted of all three murders? He'd, get tw- he'd probably get 25 years. But then the question would be, would they run the sentences consecutive for each murder? Okay, so Sully's immortal. He gets sent to prison for life. He doesn't age. Well, if I was Sully, I'd just kill myself, even before I went to, like, real prison. Right. And then he's, yeah. then he's escaped. Right. So, like, for justice to be served, Mac has to take his head. Right. In his mind, maybe. I don't know. Because, like, otherwise, Sully has to kill himself and he escapes, or they're exposed because Sully's in prison and never dies or ages. Well, this yeah. brings up all sorts of other interesting philosophical questions about, like, well, let's say Sully does go to prison for 25 years. And let's say no one notices he... Which isn't that surprising. Like, prisons have really high turnover rates. Yeah, so maybe no one notices It's just like a number on, number on a piece of paper. Uh, and then at what point is, like, well, I mean, the, the courts, at least, and by proxy, the American public, has, like, as a society, we have decided that these 25 years are a appropriate amount of time to pay for a certain crime. Like, if he goes to prison and serves his time... For this, is that okay? Like when he gets out, it's like, all right, like you served your time. Like I'm, he doesn't have to be forgiven by Mac, but there is a set punishment our society has has does, deemed appropriate for him. But that does happen, though. I mean, yeah. a lot of, I mean, he's obviously an old-looking man, but right. like lots of young men get convicted of really rough crimes that involve very long sentences. But if they're young, a lot of them get out. Yeah. Like somebody might do forty years and. Be young that, enough to emerge. That would be a counter-argument to what you brought up, which I think is interesting. It's like, well, like, the only form of justice maybe is to kill him because going to prison isn't enough for an immortal. Well, it's taking, but it's like, if he did, yeah. does that count as enough? Like, at what point is your crime paid for? Hmm. But Sully and Mac get down to it. Yeah, so, so they, I hope right. Iris actually left. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they were like, yeah, like, I'll see you in a minute. It's like, I hope she didn't hang around to see. Well, it's like, I'll see you back at the bar. Yeah, what if she didn't leave? <laughs> uh, so this is a great fight, yeah. I think. Pretty good. There's a lot of, and they do some fun stuff, like when, for a while, Mac disarms Sully, and Sully grabs a chair. Yeah. Yeah. And they, like, they fight with the chair. I love just them tearing through all those, like, folded chairs. Yeah. Like, it's really, like, messy and sloppy. Like It's like Darius is dead. Josh. Uh, so they end up, of course, fighting in the boxing ring. Yeah. Uh, the whole, as soon as they showed the boxing ring, I'm like, it's happening. And yeah. of course, the whole time the fight is slowly inching its way to the ring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Duncan wins, and then this quickening is interesting. It's uh, weird. They do some different. Uh, again, like I mean, they always try to switch it up. So uh, some stuff is experimental, I guess. Uh, well, he's like, like a weird ghost, like a yeah, yeah, it's ghost. ghost writer. <laughs> yeah. So like he grabs Sully's sword. And, like, somehow the ghost is, like, going in through the swords to Well, it's like he's deflecting mouth? the quickening. Yeah. Because then when he releases the swords, the ghost, like, flies away. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, is so- he, like, denying it because it's his <laughs> friend? I Like, I don't know. The yeah. curse of the return of the Sully's ghost. Yeah, so, of course, yeah, so there's all this lightning, and then there's just this, like, cloud that's, like, yeah. floating above him, and... 
we haven't really seen much like that before. Mm-mm. But otherwise, uh, the fight is really cool. Oh, we didn't mention like the spotlights are all moving around yeah. during this, which is, I mean, I don't know who turned them on. doesn't matter. It's awesome. Quickening. No, no, before the quickening. Yeah. Like uh, while they're yeah. fighting, the spotlights are just kind of doing their thing. It looks really awesome. It's yeah. cool. It adds mood. But yeah, all the lights are exploding during the quickening. Mm-hmm. It's top-notch stuff. I like mm-hmm. it. As this winds down, Mac, as usual, likes to celebrate murdering a friend with some kung fu. Yep. Yeah. Some He's shirtless foo. <laughs> He's like really upset after he receives. The well, quickening. in the quickening, does he? Cr- I think he's crying during the quickening, isn't he? Oh, like he's like know. laying on the mat and yeah. he has like tears and he like slams his fist down. Like yeah. I love when they do stuff like this. It's good. Yeah, though he's just like, killed another one of his friends again. So what's our what's our quickening ca- friend count? So we've got Gabriel the Zone Patone. Oh, uh, Gabriel Zone Patone <laughs> has an extra meaning now. Yes. <laughs> uh, so we've also got Mad Marcus from Sino Evil too. We've got Quentin Barnes. Uh, mm-hmm. What was his uh, name? Michael. Michael. Billy. Michael. Michael Moore, Michael Moore right. Yeah. Uh, and now we've got Sully. Is there another one I'm not thinking of? I think we've got four friends he has killed. Yeah, I think. In like a year. Yeah. yeah. He's having a bad year. Bad year. And he lost Darius and he lost Tess. Yep. This is not good. Yeah, this is not the year of the McLeod. No. <laughs> but again, not all of them. Like Quentin Barnes and Marcus, I give a pass on. Because like. Marcus is straight up mentally ill and trying to kill him. Right. Yeah. Same thing with, like, Michael Moore. Like, and Moore's, like, asking him to kill him. Right. Right. When he does it. But the other two, it's like... Well, the Gabriel Patone, he was killing those girls. Yeah. The other two, he passed a moral judgment on. Right, okay. Is why he killed them. Like, the other two, the circumstances were kind of thrust on him. The other two really didn't want to fight him. But he had decided, no, I have chosen... Like, I'm not saying it's a wrong judgment. But right. he's made but a decision. He's, he's made a decision that they deserve to die, mm-hmm. and he's executed them. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting. We definitely see Max standing in moral judgment of a lot of people in this show, right? And it's kind of interesting to see them all stack up. I mean, Sully's not wrong saying it's wrong because you say it's wrong, right? I mean, I guess, but Sully is a bad guy who murdered people. <laughs> well, the, the problem is that like sometimes Duncan chooses when he says stuff is wrong and when he does like. It's like it's solely up to him. I think that's the bigger problem. Yeah, and like Mac is always trying to convince other people to walk away. Right. Other people are always supposed to walk away. Yeah. But then when somebody else disappoints him, he has to step up and kill them. Mm-hmm. And as oh, you it's, said, it's the same judgment that Sully used on Coleman. Yeah. That again, Mac is using on Sully. And like, that I really think that's why they killed Georgie. Mm-hmm. That I makes think, a lot of sense. I think this conversation was like, I, I, I don't know, it would have been too troubling. And so it, it even becomes like a little more troubling because, well, at the end of this episode, Iris visits Mac in the dojo and she's like, oh, what happened to Sully? It's like, oh, he left or whatever. Think I'll ever see him again. I doubt it. She asks, like, do you think he killed those guys? Skull. Yeah. And Mac is like, I don't know. What do you think? It yeah. matters what you think. And she's like, I don't think he did. He's a good guy. And he's like, that's what matters. It's like, it matters that you think that. Right. right and now. this is like a, a, another one of those like weird lying things. Like he lied this to Tommy's to mom. Back. Like he lied to. Mommy Bannon and this back to back. Like they had illusions about the bad people that they cared about. Yeah. And, and he's fine to like be like, you have those illusions. But yeah, but yeah like, I mean. It's like a little bit cold blooded, I think. It is. And it's also just ups- like, you know, I mean, we can talk about <laughs> the justice system and like, what does justice mean? Like writing the wrong or like making other people. People feel righted, I suppose, mm-hmm. by a wrong. And it's like nobody in Coleman's life felt wronged. So we so we seem to see. Like, you know what I mean? Like everybody that worked for him, like all these other people are like, no, I'm glad he's dead. Like right. no one no one seems to be mourning the loss of Coleman. And even with that, Duncan is like, nope, wrong. Like again, that's part of that Georgie thing. It's like we need to do something really wrong. But yeah, yeah I think so, it's interesting. Like that no one would condone. Yeah, because right. it, it doesn't seem like that's interaction really weighs on duncan much like we don't get to see any sort of him pondering this this problem like hey everybody at the bar thinks what sully did is great no duncan's pretty pissed at sully he's like we're gonna settle this later like i don't i don't think duncan would is gonna let that go but the thing that's interesting is that he goes to confirm his story he's like he's he it matters to him whether or not sully's justification like presented justification is true if mac didn't care he wouldn't have needed to ask those questions Mm, like if he was going to be 100 percent convinced that he and sully were going to come to blows why investigate the truth of that yeah unless like some part of him thought that maybe if true some justification might have existed I don't know. It's weird the next episode, like, this situation comes up again, and Mac takes the opposite position. (laughs) Right. Which we can talk about. We'll talk about that next time. Oh, we will. (laughs) Fighting 
immortals will give you a mac attack a, 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 a. You wanna know by now You wanna know by now uh, Guys, we've learned some lessons from Duncan McLeod I know one lesson I've learned Pros before hoes Cause he like legitimately gives Sully that speech when he's like, "Hey man, George is like really needing you." He's like, "You gotta ch- chill out with Iris." Like pros before hoes. Yeah, the Gospel of Mac. Yeah. What I learned from Mac: it's wrong to kill bad people unless those bad people killed other bad people. Then it's okay to kill those bad people. We should do this more often. Also, we didn't talk about the fact that after this kind of cold-blooded conversation where he like lets Iris continue believing that Sully's a great guy, he dismisses her with kung fu. Yeah, he's like, okay, bye. Punch, punch, punch. <laughs> it's amazing. All right, uh, why don't we hear a bit from David Abramowitz on the episode The Fighter? I remember The Fighter because um, we transformed the uh, hockey arena of the Vancouver Canucks into a prize fight ring. The hockey people were worried that we wouldn't be able to put it back together again in time. And I remember thinking about how fortunate we were having Bruce White's as our uh, guest star. He just finished doing Hill Street Blues and was a, great, was a great character. And he played a great character for us. Fighter was a takeoff on the old Cyrano story um, where a character is in love with a beautiful young woman and can't find the words to speak to her and speak of his love. So we had uh, Phil Aiken, who played Charlie DeSalvo, talk to Bruce Weiss, who played the fight manager who was in love with the young girl. To watch the two of them together, they aren't exactly the slickest characters in the world. Um, it was like the blind leading the blind. Both the bare-knuckle fighting that we had was particularly brutal, and we were worried about it because some of our um, overseas markets weren't into having violence at the time. In fact, this episode got us into a lot of trouble, and we were known for a short period of time as maybe the most violent show on television. And the Whoa. reason for that was the show was about boxing. And what they did was they counted each of the punches. And because there were so many punches, because we were doing a boxing show, we became the violent show on television. Later surpassed by any number of shows after that. But we had one small moment of ignominious fame. In a show where people's heads are removed from their body, it's like, this is getting pretty violent, guys, with these punch, this punching in yeah. a ring with a referee? Like, That's <laughs> <laughs> kind of nuts. Uh, so let's talk about the Watcher Chronicles for this episode. Sully. Thomas Sullivan was born in 1743 in Kilkenny, Ireland. His first death was 1788, and he was shot for failing to take a dive in a prize fight. So Sully used to be a boxer himself. Tommy Sullivan was a fighter all his life as a scrappy little urchin. <laughs> nice. In his na- na- uh, native Kilkenny, uh, he started fighting the other kids for food and then for pennies in the local public houses. It wasn't too long before he became the Kilkenny champion and started taking on challengers from surrounding counties. His bare-knuckle career in Ireland came crashing to an end when his honor wouldn't allow him to take a dive against Dublin champ Ian McGuinness, and he was shot dead by the promoter who arranged the bout. After training with his first immortal teacher, Rory Calhoun, Sully took a minute to kill the promoter (laughs) uh, who killed him before setting off to America. Wow. Not good. Yeah. yeah. Well, like he took I, a minute. Yeah, it'll take a minute. And, yeah, well, also, it took a minute murderer. to go who murdered him. Yes, yeah. this is very true. Uh, Sully always had a very black and white view of the world. Win, lose, good, bad, right, wrong. No allowance for gray areas. By this criteria, he never killed anyone who didn't deserve to be killed. Poor Sully never could understand that real life was never as simple as life in the squared circle. That doesn't strike me as exactly accurate. No, this is not the picture I think we get painted of, of Sully in this episode. <laughs> Like, I agree he's absolutely convinced that he did the right thing, but I don't think that means that everything's black and white. Right. He's not a follower of Ayn Rand here. <laughs> uh, I don't get that reference, though I'm all about ragging on Ayn Rand. <laughs> uh, I'm on board with the Enterprise. So Duncan has a, a chronicle entry for this, too, which he's in San Francisco. It says occupation businessman, which is good. <laughs> What? What does that mean? And then it says, that McLeod's a real sucker for a sob story. (laughs) Uh, He says, Tommy Sullivan, the little Irish boxer, comes up to him with a story about how he's too small to fight the champ, but he really needs the money, and suddenly McLeod's going to be fighting Joe Brock. Joe Brock? Exclamation point. Uh, They say the guy can stop a locomotive with one punch. I know Brock can't kill McLeod, but even so, it's gotta hurt. Sullivan's gonna owe him big for this one. McLeod's gonna fall for some sob story one day and lose his head because of it. 
to me, this doesn't seem like a sob story either. These are inaccurate chronicles. He was was offered 500 bucks. Yeah. This was a business proposition that he could have turned down. This, I don't know. This is not a sob story. But he didn't because the guy punched him in the face and it made him upset. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So what are our thoughts on this episode all in all? This might be my favorite episode this season. I legitimately love this episode. No joke. I, (laughs) I, I think the script is great. I like that it's really humorous like it's a fun episode I, I love this sort of like hitch element to it it's like oh, i don't know how to be good with the girls like i think it works pretty well i like that the story in the past does seem to mirror a lot of stuff that's happening in the present like about duncan making decisions about wanting to be a fighter how much percent he gets and then like we cut to decisions in the the present about those same sort of things like do you want to buy in 10 percent to this fighter do you want to fight brock in the past like these sort of things get mirrored really well i think it asks like pretty deep moral questions and like actually presents them in a like other than mac at the like mac is only kind of presented as i think a good person at the end more so than he should be i think but i think just the way it's presented and the way the show shoots him and the way his victory happens i think we're supposed to be 100 percent on board with mac i think we're supposed to be because of the georgie thing i do think he's correct yeah uh but i i like that this is asking some pretty good questions and sully actually even has like some really good retorts to mac like that's another thing the show can sometimes do is like they set up a straw man in the villain it's like oh like you shouldn't do this because of this and then they're like you know they don't really have any sort of good comebacks and sully's like no this is your opinion like we kill all the time sully actually presents a pretty good argument i think to mac anyway i think this show is well shot i think the flashbacks are amazing looking like this fucking episode this is great Sorry, guys. I'm babbling about it. I love this episode. <laughs> I, I thought it was pretty good. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's my favorite. The, Edit it out. <laughs> Fuck you, Avon. The, the Sully like being bad with girls thing, followed by him getting his head chopped off, that's a weird tonal thing where I'm like, he's half yeah. this comedic figure. And then we're supposed to like, oh, you know, Sully, he has a tough time talking to the ladies. And then his head is brutally chopped off by Mac in the final fight. And I'm I, like, I will give you that. that. That's my biggest problem with it, too. There's some weird incongruity between the like some of the constituent parts of this episode. Yeah, because it the, is very funny. Yeah the, yeah, the bad with ladies thing, like concealing being like fundamentally a stone cold killer. It's like, nothing about it makes it seem like he's that character. Right. And it's a weird roller coaster of emotion to be on. Also, what ha- roller coaster of tone, tonal coaster. Tonal, tonal coaster. coaster. What happens if Iris wrongs Sully in some way or if he perceives her to be disloyal? Does he kill her? I think maybe the way this episode is set up, he does. Like, I think that's maybe the implication and why Mac thinks he has to kill. Like, there's a pattern of Sully turning against people that he thinks wrongs him. Right. Especially because at the end, it's like, oh, like, you just, you know, someone cheats you, you kill him. It's like, yup. Like, like, he's really matter of fact about it. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the reason why is that, like, if you cross Sully in some way. Yeah, he's going to cross you off. I do like the flashbacks and the fight at the end is awesome. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of good stuff in this. Yeah, it's go. definitely in the top 50% of this season. Yeah. I, the, the tonal issues really kind of grind my gears a little bit. And I wish they'd let it be a bit more complicated because, mm-hmm. again, the Georgie thing, I feel like it always makes it pretty cut and dry. Yeah. The fact that he just randomly murders his ostensibly friend after, like, hugging it out, that's problematic. Yeah. And it does then create this appearance that, yeah, he'll just kill anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, anyone. It doesn't matter. Right. Even someone just legitimately pursuing their own self-interest. Because, by the way, Sully, you're not a great boxing manager. Yeah. Because you blow it off to role play with Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Get, this this show does get a lot of credit for me for, like... He's a these, level four fighter. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> I mean... You get a bonus feed at fourth level. <laughs> <sighs> I think the show does do a good job of this... Presenting this gray area in an early 90s, like, Saturday afternoon action-adventure show. We're, we're, again, like, we have the... Benefit of living in 2016. <laughs> they had the benefit of Star Trek The Next Generation while this is going on, though. So That's true. The bar the bar existed. There was a bar, yeah. But like, they're, what, season five in 1994 maybe. of TNG? They are, like, they've more than hit their stride in that show yeah. by the time they're doing this. So it's not like this is unprecedented. No, not unprecedented. But I think this is a, a different time on in TV where these sort of stories are not told in this way. The hero's not presented. I mean, like, we can watch Game of Thrones in which in like 
I don't know. Everyone's nuts about that show. And it's like, who's the good? Like, everybody's the bad guy. Like, I mean, you know, like, but it's not that black and white. It's like everybody's like kind of good sometimes, kind of bad other times. Like, I think people are kind of getting more accustomed to liking the characters and getting invested in that sort of storytelling now than maybe they used to be then. Just a guess. I don't know. I mean, I watched this when it was kind of on and it's, you know, that's one one of the things that made the show really special that it like started to delve into this sort of stuff. Food for thought. So a uh, question of the week, everybody. Uh, do you think Sully deserved to die in this episode? And do you think like, yeah, just to write us like we're going to have some long emails maybe about this. Like, what are the moral implications of what happened at the end of this episode? Who's right? Who's wrong? And why? Yeah. And the, do we want to give the caveat about Georgie? Or yeah, not? let's say George didn't die. Paul Phoenix rises from the ashes and he's still alive. Does so he still deserve to die? Yeah. Write us in. And the important thing is the why. I'm just going to write in a one right answer. Yes. yes. No. <laughs> Derp. Yes. Colon. He was a bad guy. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this week's episode. Join us next week. I've been one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. Amen. Bye. It also helps that he was eating a giant sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> like shaggy. Yeah, this is very cartoonish. Like, he, Scooby he, like, jumps his in his head. arms and he holds him. Sully, that, like, stands... Is that our question of the week? Was she giving him a blammer jammer during this scene? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's the question. <laughs>